just really happy for our locker room. We had a lot of guys out today, and it was cool to see a lot of young guys get their first opportunity to, to go out there and play and make some big-time contributions. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. love to recommend shows to each other right I, I think this started in the pandemic where during the pandemic we had nothing to do but you know watch shows watch movies so we always start what are you streaming what are you what are you watching right now remember those conversations and we just haven't stopped because we realized it's fun to talk about tv shows it's fun to talk about what we've been watching so if i watch a show it's not enough for m- me to enjoy it i then also have to recommend it to every human being that i know right it's how we work it's how we operate so I have a sports radio version of this. I need to make a recommendation to Packers fans, especially. Now, if you listen to the show every day or close to every day, if you listen to the show routinely or you listen to Wisconsin sports radio, like Eric on I-90, Eric on I-90 is a Vikings fan, but I would still recommend this to Eric on I-90, even though he's not a Packers fan. Go on YouTube or I guess go wherever you listen to your podcasts and pull up show clips and show segments from WFAN in New York and Yes Network in New York. Like the Michael K show with Don LaGreca and Sal Biafanapanatima or whatever. The, I don't know. They're all New York names. Go watch the show clips. Go listen to the show clips of them talking about what's going on with Aaron Rodgers right now. It's fascinating because they're going all, all through the things that we went through. The same steps, the same conversations, the same complaints, the same exasperation, everything that we went through there in Rogers the last couple of years, they're going through it in New York. And it's really interesting. It's like an out-of-body experience. It's like you exit your body and you're watching yourself. Or or it would be how a director feels. Like if 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 I made a really famous movie and then 20 years later, some new director wanted to remake it. Like I think a true grit. Like the Coen Brothers redid the. We were talking John Wayne movies a couple weeks ago. Like the Coen Brothers and Jeff Bridges remade True Grit. I, I. It's like if I'm watching someone else remake and produce and screen a movie that I originally made. It's like, oh, they're saying all the same things about Aaron Rodgers. A little different flavor, a little different New York flavor, right? But really, really similar. And it's pretty funny. It's pretty. It's pretty entertaining to watch them say a lot of the things. I was watching clips from. WFAN earlier today about how they want to get rid of Robert Sala and how they want to get rid of Nathaniel Hackett especially and Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and they're like well if Aaron Rodgers comes back this year and 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 the offense continues to struggle well then he'll see reason and he'll want to get rid of those guys I'm like mm, I mm, nope I remember that I remember saying <laughs> I remember saying stuff like that so if you have a little downtime tonight maybe you get home and you're laying around and the Bucks game is done you're like ah oh, what should I do before bed just pull up YouTube and Watch some of the clips. It's pretty entertaining. It's really, really, really entertaining. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Don't do it right now, though, because we have things to discuss. We have business to conduct for the next two hours. I want to talk Packers, NFL. I actually want to talk a little Brewers, a little baseball, because we had some Brewers news, positive Brewers news, about an hour ago regarding Jackson Churio. It sounds like the Brewers might be trying to get a little bit of a deal done with him, which is nice because then they have under team control for a couple of years and they, they kind of have his future, or at least uh, the beginning of his future Milwaukee mapped out. 
But that also takes away uh, any impacts or any ramifications of service time out of the equation. So the Brewers would then not be motivated to keep him in the minor leagues any longer than they have to, which would be fun. That means he could be on the opening day roster if that's what the Brewers think is best, and it wouldn't hamper them financially down the line. So I want to talk about that in a little bit. Mike Clemens might stop by. I forgot to text him today. With Mike, you never really know. So I'll shoot him a text. Maybe we'll talk and, and recap that Thanksgiving game at 530, maybe tomorrow. But at some point this week, I know we're going to connect with Mike. Uh, you're like, Grant, how do you not know this? It's your show. I, I know it's a problem, but I'll text Mike here in a bit. But we might talk to him in the second hour of the show. 608-321-1670. If you would like to call and chat about whatever, I would love to have you. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant as well. Super easy way to just drop a note and be part of the program, share your opinion or share a comment last night monday night football was i think i think bill said earlier today it was like watching two snails try to have sex that's pretty pretty accurate that was awful uh that was terrible and it got me thinking more about what tom brady had to say well the state of the nfl football is horrible right now oh so many bad teams so many bad quarterbacks i don't know if that's true i think there's a lack of surefire hall of famers you know, a couple of years ago, there's no lack of surefire Hall of Famers. You have Breeze, Rogers, Brady. Say what you want about Roethlisberger. He was an institution. He His high end was not as good as some of those other guys, but he was an institution. You knew what he was. He had been around forever. He was a known quantity. There's fewer known quantities in the NFL right now, especially without Joe Burrow. Without Joe Burrow in the equation, it's Mahomes and then Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott. And I really like those guys, but they're far from polished, well-rounded, surefire Hall of Famers. So there are definitely some wrinkles to this football season that might impact the quality of play or the watchability of, of any given football game like last night. But every football season is a little different. You know, every season has different themes and different schemes. I didn't try to make that rhyme, but it just did. So my apologies. Like some years are dominated by defense. Some years are dominated by offense. Some years are dominated by aging Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Some years are more about young quarterbacks. There's different story arcs in every season. I think of 2019 as the last well-rounded, picture-perfect, white picket fence, right, painted house, picture-perfect type of season. The NFC that year was so neat and tidy. It was the Niners, the Saints, and the Packers. They all went 13-3. and three. The Seahawks were also good. They were a very solid wild card out of the West. Right, The Patriots in the AFC, I went back and looked today. Patriots 12-4, and four, Chiefs 12-4, and four, Ravens 14-2. and two. The Texans won the division in the NFC South at 10-6. and six. That's what the NFL, I think, is supposed to look like. Three clean-cut division champs. No division is that much better or that much worse than the others. Good quarterback play scattered throughout, balance between both conferences. I think back to 2019, right before the pandemic. It was so clean-cut. It was so picture-perfect. White picket fence, you know, around a very green yard. That, that was 2019. And then the last few seasons, each one's been a little bit different, and I think they've been more muddled post-pandemic. And, and part of that is Breeze retired, Brady retired, Rodgers was hurt last year. He's hurt this year. So that, that kind of hampers, you know, the production last year, the Packers, the watchability of the Packers last year, the watchability of the Jets this year. The Rams popped up out of nowhere for basically one year. I know they were okay the year after the Super Bowl, but not really the same. So the Rams were kind of a one-hit wonder. 
last year there were plenty of instances where I complained that the football was very bad. Now Tom Brady is complaining the football is bad. Every year is different. Some years might be more aesthetically pleasing. Some years might be more picture perfect. I don't know if that means any one year is better than the other. We're still watching. We're still consuming football. This year, there's lots of themes, stories, uh, new players, new teams. We've had fun with C.J. Stroud. I'm enjoying trying to figure out what Trevor Lawrence is and what he's going to be, trying to figure out exactly what teams like the Panthers uh, and, and basically the entire NFC South, what's going on there. It's not pretty, but there's plenty of interesting storylines scattered throughout the NFL, plenty of themes and, 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 and new players and teams to enjoy. But this season, one theme through, what, what are we, 11 weeks now? One theme stands above the rest. If I had to describe this year, and I had to sum up this year, I I would pick one old football cliche out of the bucket. There's a lot of football cliches, but one really comes to mind. The cliche, and I don't know who said it first. I don't know where this started. I Googled it today. I couldn't find it. The cliche of, it's not just about who you play. It's about when you play them, right? It's not just about your competition. It's what state is your competition in? It's not just who you play. It's when you play them. The old football adage, right? Look no further than last night. Vikings are at home. Dobbs, I know they lost to Denver, but Denver's been streaking a little bit. Dobbs had been very good up until this point. The Bears suck, and Justin Fields does not win. And Matt Eberflus had never beaten an NFC North opponent before. I believe he was 0-9 going into last night, if I heard on the broadcast correctly. And yet the Bears win 12-10. It's like, wait a minute, two weeks ago, the Vikings looked like a legit contender and the Bears looked awful. The Bears still looked awful last night. They always looked awful, but they won. A friend of the network, Paul Charchian, KFAN, Guillotine Leagues, he tweeted this earlier today. It was right at the beginning of Bill's show. I was like, Bill, check this out, because I I think this hits to the point of it's not just about who you play, it's about when you play them. Charch tweeted this. The Vikings entered Monday night with PFF's number one ranked pass blocking offensive line. And Chicago entered Monday night with PFF's 32nd ranked pass rush defensive line. Minnesota, of course, allowed 20 pressures, three sacks, six hits, and 11 hurries. So say what you want about pro football focus and their rankings and their grades and exactly how much stock you put into it. Take the PFF out of it. Minnesota has had an awesome pass blocking offensive line. Chicago has not had a pass rush to speak of. And last night, Chicago ate Minnesota alive and ate Josh Dobbs alive and converted that pressure, converted those sacks and hits and hurries into turnovers. No evidence at any point throughout the season so far would lead you to think that that was going to happen last night. And it did. It's not just about who you play. It's about when you play them. And you also probably know the adage, you know, the NFL is a what have you done for me lately league. The Cowboys are a great example. If you followed the narrative and and the story arc of the Cowboy this year through the first couple of seasons, it's like, oh, best team in the world. Best defense in football. Dak Prescott's awesome. Mike McCarthy's got this figured out. The Cowboys are on the level of the Eagles and the Niners and the Chiefs. The Cowboys are legit. And then they have one ugly loss to the Niners. And the Niners beat a lot of teams because the Niners are really good. So the Cowboys are not alone in their struggles against the Niners. They're in the same club with the Packers. Join the club. We got jackets. We typically lose to the Niners in the playoffs. The Cowboys lose to them in the playoffs and in the regular season. But then after that loss, it's like the Cowboys are a joke. Cowboys suck. Dak Prescott can't win the big game. Can't beat the toughest opponents. The defense is overrated. And 
ever since that game, the Cowboys have been winning and playing really well, even in a tough loss against the Eagles. And I think by and large, they've gotten the public's trust back. But the narrative up and down, it's it's a what have you done for me lately league. That is true all the time in every season. But this year, I think it's been true even more. And every week I'm like, man, it's not just about who you're playing. It's about when you're playing them. The Packers schedule so far. Great example. Look at the Packers opponents. Some of their wins and some of their losses. They lost to the Raiders on Monday Night Football off 11 nights rest. Home crowd. McDaniels is an awful coach. The Raiders haven't been able to do anything. The Packers lose that game, and it's a catastrophe. The Raiders go on to fire their coach, and they've looked like not a total disaster. I know it's not a ringing endorsement, but what we thought about the Raiders at the time versus what we think of them now is different. It's very, very different. The conversation and the scouting report would be different, right? I know I'm, I'm not telling you that the Raiders are awesome. I'm not telling you that Aiden O'Connell rules, and I'm not telling you that uh, who's their interim coach. His name uh, escapes me. I'm not telling you that the Raiders are all of a sudden a Super Bowl contender. The point is that that Monday night game feels like it was so long ago, and it feels like both of these teams, the Packers and the Raiders, are way different now on uh, November 28th than they were around Halloween when that game was played, right? Think about the Broncos game. The week after the Packers played the Raiders, Packers played the Broncos going into the bye. This is maybe the best example I've ever seen in football of it's not just about who you play. It's about when you play them. The Broncos going into the Packers game gave up 70 to Miami, 28 to Chicago, 31 to the Jets. I I, I don't even, does that game actually happen? I feel like that's, that's in the record books. It's on profootballreference.com. That didn't actually happen, did it? 31 to the Jets. They gave up 70 to Miami, 28 to Chicago, 31 to the Jets. Then all of a sudden, they gave up 19 to Kansas City and 17 to Green Bay. How, how do I... How am I supposed to make sense of that? I'm just shrugging in studio. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. And since the, the Broncos gave up only 17 to Green Bay and won that game, they haven't lost since. They have not lost a game. They won five in a row. Just bizarre, right? So in conclusion, it makes sense that the Packers looked bad early and now they look better. They have young players. They're developing. They're getting healthier. They're all figuring out how to play together. The Packers, there's a great reason the Packers looked bad early and now they're looking better. That's normal. Uh, that's normal progression. But some of these other teams, I, I don't get it. The Vikings, I don't get it. The Broncos don't get it. The Raiders, to a lesser degree, but still don't get it. This has just been such a weird, inconsistent year. And and that uncertainty is, I think, quarterback-driven. You got some good quarterbacks that have been hurt. Uh, you got some quarterbacks that are in positions they probably shouldn't be in. But this year, more than ever, and it's not just quarterback-based. There's lots of different reasons. This year keeps reminding me, I, you know, yeah, it matters who you play. But it also matters when you play them. And I know a lot of Packers fans, myself included, have started to zero in on that five-game stretch to end the year where there's some bad opponents. Those opponents might not be bad when we get to the final. I don't know. I'm just looking at what we've gone through so far, the season so far. I don't know that we should get hyper-focused on the quality of opponent a month out. Because if this season, this specific NFL season, 23-24, stop me anything, again, it's not just about who you play. It's about when you play them. And this Packers season so far has been an, a, a, a crystal clear example of that. And I think we should heed that that uh, that old adage moving forward because it's 
it's definitely going to apply, I think, to the Packers' late season schedule. 608-321-1670 if you'd like to call the show. Take your tweets as well, at Wisco Grant. Let's take a three-minute break. Come back. Continue the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Appreciate you listening. Hope you're having an awesome night. Bucks Heat tonight at 6.30. It's an in-season tournament game. Uh, or mid-season tournament. It's one of those. And I don't mean, by the way, to downplay the importance or the excitement of the mid-season tournament. I'm not trying to poo-poo it. it. Seems a little forced. But I would rather it be a little forced than it not exist at all. It's like this. Look at it this way. Think about it this way. You and your significant other are celebrating third, fourth anniversary, right? And your significant other is not all that considerate, just just not a real romantic person. They try, but it's just not really their wheelhouse. Like, they're not winning any romance or spontaneity contests, right? And your anniversary rolls around, and your significant other gets you uh, a card and, you know, a nice enough handwritten note. Like, they put a little effort into it. And then, you know, a gift card to a jeweler, and I don't know what else would be in kind of like a mid-anniversary gift. And maybe a gift card to a steakhouse, right? It's like not the best gift. In an ideal world, gentlemen, you don't get the woman you know, a gift card to get jewelry. You read her and you make judgments based on what you know that she likes based on your time together. And you buy her the jewelry. And I guess if she really hates it. You know, you need to have a good enough relationship for her to be able to like, I don't really like this. Let's go swap it out. And that's, you know, that's the power of a good relationship. But you would rather your significant other get you a gift that's like a good attempt than no gift at all. Right? You get what I'm trying to say? Like the NBA and the month of November and the month of December is not really their thing. Like The NBA is a romantic partner that's really not all that thoughtful and romantic the NBA they're not winning any romance awards right but I give the NBA credit they're trying they're trying they really are so yes it seems a little forced and the execution isn't perfect but I'm glad they're they're trying they are really doing their best so I didn't mean when I when I call it the in-season mid-season term I'm not trying to poo-poo it right I think it's good that they're trying something that game is tonight the Bucks in the heat play at 6 30 Jimmy Butler's not gonna play <laughs> Tyler Hero's not going to play. It was a funny moment earlier because we had Jim Ozarski on the Bill Michaels show earlier today, Journal Sentinel, and I shot Jim a DM as he's on air with us. I said, hey, I just saw that Shams ruled out Jimmy Butler. Didn't really matter for the interview. I just, I would hate to think that he's talking with us and he's not checking Twitter like a degenerate like I always am. So I, I went to the NBA Twitter account and they had tweeted out a graphic and it was Giannis and Jimmy Butler's face and then tonight, the the late game on TNT, is Warriors at King, so Steph Curry and De'Aaron Fox. So they had this graphic of Giannis and Jimmy and Steph and De'Aaron Fox, and it's like uh, midseason tournament tonight, big night, and it is a big night. It's a massive night, especially for these two groups, the Warriors and the Kings. I think are in the same group, and I know the Bucks and the Heat are in the same group. I know that for sure. Not sure about Warriors Kings <laughs> and the NBA. They had to make a little. They they tweeted underneath like, oh, by the way, Jimmy Butler's been ruled out. <laughs> the guy, the guy who we built this graphic around. 
The guy whose face is on the billboard for tonight's game. Yeah, he's uh, he's not gonna, he's not gonna play. <laughs> Which earlier this year when the Bucks played the Heat, there was no Bam. So now the Bucks are gonna see the Heat with no Jimmy. And no Tyler Hero, which, like, whatever. I'll, I'll take a win. If the Bucks can win, I won't apologize for it one bit. Because they got a new coach and a lot of new pieces of this roster, and they're working to figure it out. So I'll, I'll take it. I will take a win any chance I can get it. It's a little bit of a bummer because part of the frustration with Coach Bud and part of the frustration with the previous Bucks, I don't know, regime or philosophy, whatever you want to call it, in the playoffs is that they wouldn't let Giannis guard Jimmy, but Giannis wants to guard Jimmy. I would like to see Giannis try to guard Jimmy. It worked pretty well earlier in the year when he played, uh, but we're not going to get to see it tonight. I'll take the win. Bucks still got to win. I'm not, I'm not assuming I'm not handing them a win because Jimmy Butler's not playing. He can absolutely still win this game. But if the Bucks are able to win, I will not apologize for it one bit. So we have that going on tonight. Uh, no football. We got our fill last night. Thank you very much. Thank you, Vikings and Bears, for that. My opening comments, I started the show by saying, every football season is a little different. Uh, all different themes, different storylines. Uh, and this year, I think the more that I watch, the, the more that I remember that old football adage, don't know where it starts. It's not just about who you play. It's about when you play them, right? So the Packers played the Broncos in week, I don't know, whatever, whatever week that was. It was that five, six, seven, somewhere around there. If they would have played the Broncos in week two, probably would have beat them. And if they played the Broncos now, I, I don't know. They might beat them. The Broncos are playing much better. Well, the Broncos are playing a little better. I don't think the Broncos are playing head and shoulders better. I think they're playing a little better. I think the Packers are playing head and shoulders better. So if the Packers play the Broncos in week two or three, I think the Packers win. If the Packers play the Broncos now, probably pick whoever's home. The Packers got them at home, probably pick them. If the Packers were healthy in Denver, I think they got a, a good shot, but I'd probably pick the Broncos. But the time and, 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 the, and the intersection of the Broncos season and the Packers season where they met up, the Broncos had just started to trend in the right direction and the Packers were rock bottom trying to figure it out. So it, it's not just about who you play. It's about when you play them. The Packers-Broncos game, the best example. Last night, the Vikings had, had really shown us the last couple of weeks, maybe the best pass blocking line in football or one of them. And the Bears have one of the weakest pass rushes in all of football. And yet the Bears are eating Josh Dobbs alive. Why? How? I don't I don't know. I don't know. How, how did the Broncos hold the Chiefs to 19 points just a couple weeks after giving up 70 to the Dolphins? I don't know. It's football. It's random, right? This is, in any year, in all years, a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. It seems a, a little extra volatile this year. It seems to be a little bit of a theme in 2023-2024. 608-321-1670. Uh, I got a tweet from Cone. Cone isn't calling today, he said, but something that he wanted me to mention. So I will mention that on the other side of the break. Badger basketball related. They played last night. Am I, before we move off of the NFL and move off of Monday Night Football, am I taking crazy pills? Am I nuts in thinking that Justin Fields is not good and the Bears should absolutely not keep him as the starter moving forward? If you're in your car, you're listening right now, and you're saying, Grant, you're absolutely not nuts. What are you talking about? No one is suggesting that Justin Fields is good and the future for the Bears. Au contraire. I, every, everywhere I look. I, I went on Twitter this morning and saw Danny Parkins from 670 The Score. Now, I've never met Danny. I sent him a text one time to ask if he would come on Bill's show. I'm going to hopefully get him on later this year. He's a good Chicago voice, right? 670 The Score, evening drive. He's on right now. 
Uh, so I, I like him fine enough. It really does piss me off that he made his profile picture on Twitter, him standing next to Craig Council smiling at Media Day because it's – I dislike this for many reasons. I dislike it because I, I don't I, I don't like the I'm in this picture with someone famous, make it my profile picture maneuver. I don't like that. I, I don't like it because – Three months ago, he never would have even dreamt of doing that. But now Craig Council's got a Cubs jersey on. So I guess whatever that holds some meaning. And I also hate it because Craig Council is completely full of crap in this picture. He doesn't give a damn about Chicago media. He doesn't give it. He don't give a damn about nothing. So a bone to pick with Danny Parkins. And I, w- I would tell him that. Uh, but he also tweeted this last night. He tweeted a, a poll question. Who do you want to be the first quarterback week one of next year? And the three options are Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, Drake May. Now, if you had to guess, well, how do you think the, the voting broke down? It's out of 100%, and it doesn't have to add up to 100% evenly, but how, how do you think you would break down the voting? How do you, how do you think Chicagoans, is that the word for people from Chicago? How do you think Chicago sports fans, Chicago residents, how do you think they voted on this? I would have guessed uh, 70% Caleb Williams, maybe 20% Justin Fields, maybe 10%. Uh, Drake May for the weirdos who think that Caleb Williams he's a little too emotional to play professional football or, or whatever, right? No, no, oh no, no, no. Sixty-two percent of the votes in this poll went to Justin Fields, and I see this. I'm like, am I being, am I being trolled? Am I watching a, a different broadcast? Like maybe, maybe I'm watching a different broadcast. Like Monday Night Football, you have the main broadcast with Joe and Troy, and then you have the secondary broadcast. The Manning cast. Maybe I've been watching the Fields cast 2.0 where they play the terrible version of Justin Fields and everyone else is watching a better version because I I must be missing something to, to think that Justin Fields should absolutely not be the Bears starter moving forward. He's 7-26 and 26 in his career as a starter. Or I should say his team record in games started by Justin Fields is 7-26. and 26. That's bad. Grant quarterback wins aren't a thing. Um, I, I think when you you're seven and twenty six though, that's I think that's a thing. Yeah, I, I think it's a thing to a degree. I'm not blaming him for all twenty six of those losses, but a seven and twenty six record is pretty poor. His team loses when he plays, and they can't come back. I know they did last night, but I've watched Justin Fields try to come back in the spot that he tried to come back last night. I've watched it a hundred times, not literally because what, what was his record as a starter? He's only. <laughs> <laughs> he's only played 33 career games. But you know what I'm saying? We've watched Justin Fields try to mount a comeback so many times and it just falls flat on its face. He can't or won't or isn't allowed to push the ball down the field. And if he's not allowed to push the ball down the field, I guess then that tells me all I need to know about Justin Fields. Why do Bears fans want to stick with this guy? I texted a buddy today, one of my bestest friends. He's a Bears fan. About this. And he's like, I voted for Justin Fields. I'm like, what? Why? Why do you want to keep go- – you're going to have the number one and maybe number two overall pick, and you don't want to use one of them on a quarterback? Are you high? It's like, well, you just need to get Eberflus and Getzi out of there, just like you needed to get Matt Nagy out of there, just like you needed to get the previous GM. Like, how many how many coaches does Justin Fields need to get fired before Bears fans realize that they should probably move off of him? They got all the picks. I, I know that this is not the Chicago sports show. I, I just – I feel, again, like I'm taking crazy pills. I don't say that in a hyperbolic way. I genuinely don't understand why a Bears fan would be like, I'd prefer to keep Justin Fields. I don't get it. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? 
Well, I wasn't going to call in. I was going to go to the gym, but you got me thinking Chicago, and there's nothing I love more than talking roster building, <clears throat> and I'm here to fight you verbally. Okay. This is Vegas John. Yeah, oh, yeah. What do you think? So you got Justin Fields, and you're asking next season? Is that the wording of the poll? That, is the, wording of the, that is the wording of the poll, yes. Yeah, I would absolutely take Justin Fields, Marvin Harrison Jr., and uh, the tight end plus an additional second-round pick from trading down. So give me Brock Bowers, give me Marvin Harrison Jr., and give me, like, two extra picks than taking an absolute gamble on a top-five quarterback. A gamble. And then my plan. A gamble. Well, I mean, you're talking to the same, the same fan base that traded up for Mitch Trubisky. Right. Mitch Trubisky is not Caleb Williams. Don't, don't, don't I, and I understand Correct. what you're saying. Like, nothing is a sure thing. I'm pretty sure that Justin Fields stinks, that he's not good. Like, that's, that's pretty close to a sure thing. I've seen 35 games of it. I've hated almost every second I've had to watch, especially in primetime, like last night. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the only sure thing, and probably some left tackle that we're not talking about. But I think he's the most sure thing that we've seen sure. since, like, Justin Jefferson. Right. So if I'm a Bears fan and I have an organization that has absolutely destroyed quarterbacks in years past, do I want Caleb Williams to come in with the existent offense that we're looking at? Or do I want to give Justin Fields one more? And maybe it's only half a season, right? Maybe it's until the trade deadline. Do I want to give him one more season? But do I want to bring in Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers? Plus, like I said, they're going to be moving down for those players a little bit because somebody's going to want Caleb. So they're going to get all this additional draft capital, and then do I go get Aaron Rodgers? Then do I go get some veteran that's out there? Gross. Aaron Rodgers be inflammatory. Gross. But do I go out there? Does Aaron Rodgers, coming back from Achilles, want to go to Chicago with Marvin Harrison Jr., with Brock Bowers, with a defense that's suddenly playing pretty well, and get out there and you know see what he can do? So I think. That's, if I'm a Bears fan, I'm sitting here today answering that poll, not saying I want Justin Fields to be the quarterback for the next 10 years, saying that of the top five talent that's available in next year's draft, give me the generational skill players that are Marvin Harris Jr. Oh, okay. and Brock Bauer. Okay. So, and yes. we'll figure out quarterback after that. No, no, no. You're smarter than this, Vagabond. Nothing matters if you don't have the quarterback. And also, they could take Caleb Williams and Maserati Mart. They could get them both. They're, they're going to probably have two two picks in the top three. With the, the Panthers look miserable. And the Bears, I mean, I know the Bears won last night, but they stink too. And their coach, their GM has to go on Chicago radio to tell them to play the good players on third down like Montez Sweat. They can take them both. They can take... Cable Williams and Marvin Jones Jr. Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin Jones Jr. <laughs> I, I just don't. I just. I, I don't like top five quarterbacks. That's just me. I know the last crop really turned out well, but you look at the last six years, top five quarterbacks. I can't believe it's that. not been great. It's not been great. This, look, I'm just here to be a contrarian. I'm presenting the opposite side of the argument. If I'm a Bears fan today with the trauma that I have from top five quarterbacks, that's why I would respond in the way that that poll is leading. All right, that's fair. That's all I got. I think I think you're right. Yeah, and I I appreciate you. Thanks for the call, Vagabond John. Go to the gym now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> go get a, a workout. Um, you can have both. Why not both? The Bears are going to have two top three picks. Take Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm not convinced that Brock. Not maybe I need to look at uh maybe I need to do some mock drafting. 
But look, look, how did it work out for the Jets? It's like, well, we'll just get a stud corner, a stud wide receiver, a stud pass rusher. We'll figure out the quarterback later. Okay. Nothing matters if you don't have the quarterback. One more call, then we'll take a break. 608-321-1670, Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hello, hello. Hello? Hello, yeah. Hey, this is Jeff from Madison. Hey, Jeff, what's going on? Hey, I just wanted to sort of send a shout-out to folks. I know I, I hope it's okay to talk Fox for a second. Yeah, perfect. Uh. Like, I know, I, it seems like a lot of people do not enjoy NBA basketball, but I would say to give the Bucks a try, it, how often are you going to see the Greek Freaks, Damian Lillard? I know Chris Middleton isn't really a thing much anymore, but it is so enjoyable to watch them play. And, yes, they get down early and they have to claw their way back, but that's just, you know, they're growing things right now. But in this in-season tournament, it's, it's enjoyable. The, the players are playing because they want the rookies to make the half million bucks. They want the, you know, the, the masses and everybody who's sitting on the edge of the bench to get that big paycheck. But I think people are just writing up the NBA. And in Wisconsin right now, we have – a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yes. Do you feel charged, Jeff? Do you feel charged up with these midseason tournament games? Do you feel like there's extra juice, or does it just feel like you're watching another game? I've been to a couple of them, and they, it is. There is something extra there. And, I mean, you are right in a way that typically November, December for the NBA is kind of just going through the motion. But they are playing because – they're playing for a paycheck, and I'm not talking about the, the in-season tournament. I'm talking about if you are not playing. Like, people are always saying, oh, in the NBA, they don't play defense. If you don't play defense, there is somebody, unless if you are a Damian Lillard and you can just score, and he will start scoring it the way he, you know, we're, we're expecting you to, but somebody's going to be there to replace so these guys are working their butts off. And when you go to a game and watch them, they are putting in the effort. Try doing that for 48 minutes against some of these elite players. So, yeah, sometimes they wait till the fourth quarter to really notch it up. But I don't know. It's it's an incredible band, brand of basketball. It's way better than college. Ooh, okay. So I I agree and disagree. They're just so different. I, I feel like I've moved past saying one is better than the other. I appreciate you, Jeff. Have an awesome night. And you're going to lead us perfectly because I want to talk Badger basketball. We can talk Bucks as well coming back after this break. Um, it sucks that Butler's not going to play tonight. You're totally correct about Giannis and Dame on the same team. I think that combination, that that duo, they're only going to get better at playing off each other. It's only going to get more fun to watch. So we'll talk about that next. Also, some weird shenanigans at the Cole Center last night. And Cone Roller is already on Twitter. Ona Bam is commenting on it as well. So we'll talk about what happened or I guess didn't happen with uh, with Gus Buss. Last night, we can talk a little Bucks as well in the season tournament. They play the Heat tonight at 6.30. So a lot of basketball to discuss. We'll keep talking Packers and NFL as well. It's the Wisco Sports Show. We're back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. Appreciate you listening. I shoot. I need to text Mike Clemens. I, I think we're going to talk with him at 530. It's Tuesday. He's not traveling. Uh, the thing about Mike Clemens, though, is 
you know, a lot of guests, especially on Bill's show, like I'm I'm texting constantly like, hey, Tuesday still work this time, blah, blah, blah. Mike is like the very independent uh, child of the family. You just don't really have to worry about curfew with him. He just always shows up at a reasonable time. Like I, he normally just calls in right at 530 on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then sometimes I assume and I shouldn't assume because assuming, you know, they know what they say about assumption. Drake. I was just playing a Drake song here. He, he doesn't respect assumptions. He said so on his uh, what song was that? Is that shot for me. I don't respect assumptions. Which one is somebody? Normally, I could count on Cone for a dumb reference like this, but I, I don't think he's listening today. He did tweet in. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant if you're unable to call 608-321-1670. Don't respect it. Don't assume because I don't respect assumptions. That's, I'm almost going to be incapable of doing this next segment until I figure out what song I'm trying to think of. Uh, we talked to Jeff in Madison telling us a little bit about the Badgers. They play at 630 tonight, and he said the NBA is a much better brand of basketball than college basketball, and I think many ways it is. I also think there's a lot of pros to college basketball. And a couple of years ago, I did not feel that way. A couple of years ago, I was very anti-college basketball. And in some ways, I still am. But I like watching Badgers basketball. They played uh, a team last night. Western Illinois? Northern Illinois? I don't watch. I, 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 I watch football. I know I said I like watching Badgers basketball. Not when there's Monday Night Football and not when it's a game that <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, there was one noticeable absence from the game last night. Uh, Gus Yaldon did not check into the game, but he went to the scorer's table and Cone tweeted this. And you got to remember, Cone's pretty connected. He's a big badger booster. He's a, he knows what's going on here. Cone said, and now I can't find the message. Did you delete it? You better not have deleted it before I had a chance to get it. Here it is. No call for me today. Gus bus update. Went to the scorer's table with less than two minutes and then went back to the bench on his own. Sounds like he doesn't want to burn his red shirt. Guard was shaking his head as Gus Bus walked back, not looking promising. Okay, so I went to MadCitySportsZone.com, and I read the game right up. Gus Yaldin was not mentioned, probably because he never checked into the game. Uh, Ona Bomb follows up. I don't know what this is from. Freshman Gus Yaldin appeared ready to make his debut with 116 left in the game, and Western Illinois at the free throw. It was Western Illinois. I knew it. Yaldon wasn't sure if he was ready to go in, however, and guard went with another sub. The move leaves open the possibility that Yaldon can redshirt this season. Cone then followed up and said, my boots, hashtag boots, has said it was a Gus Bus decision. Body language police alerted me guard wasn't happy. I don't know if any of that's true. If there's anyone listening who knows more about this, go ahead, please, by all means, give me a call. I don't, I don't like what I'm getting from Gus Bus on this. I... I don't know. You show up to campus, you're a freshman. You haven't earned anything. You haven't played. You haven't proven anything. These are things, these, these high school athletes, man, they're so pampered and they're, they're stars on social media and they get recruiting letters in the mail and it's so sick. I don't know. You haven't accomplished anything. You get to school. I, I, I don't like the idea of this guy copying an attitude right now. You know what you know what Gus Bus has proven so far? He's proven that he can't hide his underage drinking, which is a skill that tens of thousands of college kids perfect every fall when they go back to school. You're telling me that this guy's division one athlete, he's got all the tools, he's gonna be the next great center, and he can't keep his underage drinking on the down low? Red flag. He's also proven that he likes to stink up his dorm with the smell of weed. 
which, hey, I, I'm not like I'm not telling anyone how to live their life. You want to smoke some pot, smoke some pot, but don't do it in your dorm. It's not even cold out yet. Go outside. Baskin Hill's beautiful this time. Well, it was beautiful the time of year we got we got popped. Go lay out in the grass. You know, find a find a nice young lady and a, a badger to to go on a date with. Go lay in the grass and you know smoke your pot out there. And and now, like, if this is true, and Cone could totally be trolling me. In fact, he probably is. I don't know, dude. Play the final two minutes. Earn your keep a little bit. 2023, you know, Dave from Monona always complains about this generation. We never blame athletes. They're never responsible for anything. It's always the coach. It's always the organization. It's always, the, oh, the coach didn't like me. It's the coach didn't use me correctly. It's, I don't know, man. You're a freshman, and you've made more news for bad things than you have for actual basketball reasons. Go out there and play. 608-321-1670. Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? It's man cross planes. Fine. Man cross planes. Now, what do you make of all this? You, you're someone that's in the know with Badgers athletics. Am I, am I off base here? What's going on? I think uh, Cohen is trolling you because I don't. I think you can play in a game. Can't you play in like four yeah. games before you have to decide? Come on. Come yeah, on, Cohen, yeah, you can. Decide. You can. And it's and it's. But it's but it's bigger than it's bigger than just what Cohen is is saying. Like, what's the deal with this guy? I mean, he's just, uh, you know, he's just a freshman. I don't know. I mean, I think he probably just got off on the wrong foot, you know. You know what you say about second chances. Come on, we, we all get a second chance. Now, oh, wait, he needs a third, a third chance. Yeah, okay, I was so going to say. He's going to get a third chance, so that, that's good. Uh, you know, I've just been laying in the weeds waiting for him to get to the scorer's table, honestly. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe Gardo called him back. Maybe he was like, whatever. Maybe I don't want to burn your red shirt. I don't know. Who knows? It doesn't really matter as long as we beat Marquette, right? So maybe maybe he's holding them back for his debut against Marquette. They're beating. By the way, they're beating Marquette. Let me go ahead and pop that flag down onto the ground. That's happening at the Kohl's Center. You know me, Grant. I don't like to make those uh, predictions because they usually don't come true. But but I'll I'll, I'll just say I'm siding with you. I think we're going to beat them. We'll, We'll beat them, but, you know. It'll be a close game, I'm sure. It's like, hey, oh, Matt, Matt, this is this is a great comp, and you'll appreciate this. It's like when the Cubs and the Brewers were both good, and it, and it didn't matter which team was playing well or playing poorly. When those two teams met, it was close, and it was a great game, and it was always those two teams brought the best out of each other. And I'm feeling like the Marquette Wisconsin rivalry is getting to the point where this is going to be a good game. It has to be. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, it's going to be a wild full center atmosphere. Uh, lots of lots of beer being drunk, drank, drunk. Sorry, whatever. That too. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, there's no football anymore, so it's going to be treated like a. It's on Saturday, right? So it's a football Saturday, but it's a basketball game. That's what I'm looking at. Weather will be, you know, kind of cold still, but that'll leave room for uh, lots of drinking on Mondays and whiskey jacks, like we were talking about earlier, and uh, you know, all those fun places. Downtown, that. it's gonna be it's, it's gonna be lit, Grant. It's and uh, go box, it's go box. I don't know their record, kind of like how you never know the Packers' record, but uh, you know the Packers I'm are really five and six. Good. So we're getting to the point where now I know the Packers. The Packers are five and six. I don't know the Bucks' record though. Yeah, I think they're like twelve and four, right? Something like that. I don't know. Something like that. I don't know. It doesn't but, really. Uh, yeah. Other than that, uh, I'm uh, getting excited. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Go and watch uh, the Badgers play Pitt in Ireland in 2027. The planning has begun already. The planning has begun already. Matt in Cross so. Plains. That sounds inherently Irish. I don't know what your last name is, and that's fine. You don't need to say it, but you do sound like an Irish fella. Uh, no Irish in me, but German and Polish. Cross Plains does sound like an Irish place, though, doesn't it? Come on. 
Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not from there originally, but I've ah, lived no. there long enough to uh, to be there <laughs> from there originally. I think so. All's good. All's good. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. Otherwise, I'm looking forward to the first uh, Craig Council uh, Pat Murphy managerial matchup. That'll be wild. Yeah, I'm looking uh, forward to that too. Know. Anytime Craig Council wants to stop going to Bucks games, he's not welcome. If we're being honest, so if you want to pass that along to your manager, if he's ever in Chicago, I, I do. You guys have a problem with him being the Cubs manager but not wanting to live in Chicago? I'd be. I have a problem with that. Yeah, it's kind of annoying because you know it's like uh, that's kind of a special thing. Like for players, they ride the you know they ride the L, they ride their bikes. Ben Zobris did a whole Instagram once about riding his bike to Wrigley in his uniform, you know, stopping at Starbucks, you know, all that fun stuff. And councils, what he's gonna get a limo, a driver, what well, I don't know what he's gonna do. But uh, well, he, he, he was he was making enough money to you know rent a nice place in a high rise down there you can just stay there for you well know, he's days. he's making all that money he didn't do it for him though he did it to reset the the manager pay scale i gotta run matt in cross planes yeah. i appreciate you have an Good awesome night okay you, yeah you too talk to you soon yeah thanks for the call i gotta get my last break in i'm gonna figure out what drake song is rattling around in my head and we'll come back wrap up the first hour of the wisco sports show next this is the wisco sports show with grant bills on the wisconsin sports zone radio network Sports Show. Got about a minute here before we got a break. Five o'clock. Uh, it was the song Connect, by the way. If anyone was playing along at home trying to remember what Drake song. Don't assume because I don't respect assumptions. That, that's, the, that's the one. Off his uh, award-winning 2013 album, Nothing Was the Same, which, by the way, if we're debating albums, it's, that's... I'm just scrolling. That's his best. That's his, that's his best. It's his, be- it's his best. I'll play my flag on that. I'll play my flag on two things tonight. Wisconsin's going to beat Marquette, and nothing was the same as Drake's best album. It's close, but, yeah, I'll, I'll play my flag on that. Let's talk more football. Hour 2 Wisco Sports Show next. Don't talk to me like I'm famous. And don't assume because I don't respect assumptions, babe. Just really happy for our locker room. We had a lot of guys out today, and it was cool to see a lot of young guys get their first opportunity to to go out there and play and make some big-time contributions. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. All right, since I'm being flooded with DMs and texts and everyone wants to know uh, my ranking for Drake's best albums, no one's asking, but I was looking over this last break. This is probably not canon if you were to ask, like, Anthony. Well, Anthony Fantano, would uh, he'd probably just tell you Drake sucks, and I guess on one hand he's correct, but on one hand he's very wrong. My album rankings, nothing was the same, which edges out... Oh, what's number two? A lot of people would say Views, and like I think Views is very good, but I also think a lot of people say Views because it came out in 2016, and let's be real, we probably peaked in 2016. Is that because Views came out, or is that, or, or like Chicken or the Egg situation? I think nothing was the same, followed by Take Care. Because over my dead body and a shot for me, like, I cannot imagine. I don't know if there's an album that's ever been made that has a better first and second song. I think Take Care gets number two just based off that. 
Views probably third. It is it is excellent. I'd probably prefer more life, but setting my personal taste aside, we'll go views third. More life fourth. There's a couple deeper songs on it. Like everyone knows Passion Fruit, and who doesn't love the song Passion Fruit? Uh, but my my God, Mabita Rhythm is good. Mm, Blem is maybe the greatest song ever made. And honestly, people aren't going to like this. This is going to be controversial. Certified Lover Boy is really good. And most people will not. The government does not want you to think that Certified Lover Boy is good. But it's really good. Certified Lover Boy, interestingly enough, if we're talking about the best years of civilization, came out in 2021. Now, anything post-pandemic is just going to suck to a certain degree. And and a post-pandy year will never be able to compete with the likes of 2016 and 2017. I mean, my God. Like, you had Coloring Book that came out in that stretch. We're just coming off Birds in the Trap. Like, that's, mm, mm, 2016. But 2021 is the best post-pandemic year because we're just coming out of the pandy. Spring, summer, Certified Lover Boy is coming out. Remember when Donda versus Certified Lover Boy was a debate? What a What a joke. I remember having that argument with Ebo. Well, this is the Wisco Sports Show. Uh, We're going to get back into the Packers. My name is Grant Pills. On Twitter, Wisco Grant. You know that. The number to call if you'd like to join the show, 608-321-1670. I finally got around to texting Mike because Mike is, like, Mike is the independent child of the family. As a parent, as a host, I don't need to worry about Mike because Mike always, there doesn't need to be a curfew. I don't need to remind Mike of things. He just always calls in at 530 Tuesdays and Thursdays. But sometimes I like to check, and I just texted him 530, and he said, yep. And my whole text thread with Mike Clemens is like uh, Walter White's phone in Breaking Bad, where they they never text anything other than POYOS in all caps. It's just 530, question mark, 120, question mark, 530, question mark, 430, question mark, POYOS, question mark. So Mike's going to join us. He's on his way to Green Bay, so we'll talk with him at 530. Begun the show by talking about, I, I think, this NFL season, if we're to think of it like a like a season of TV, right? Because that's really, you know, from a certain perspective, that that's what it is. It's it's season, you know, whatever Super Bowl this is of the NFL, and every season has a little bit of a different vibe. There's different storylines, right? Think of Game of Thrones, right? There's entire seasons that are just like Tyrion trying to get somewhere, like Tyrion's going from King's Landing across the. What's the ocean again? The shining sea, the shimmering sea, something over to the other to find the dragon lady. Like there's entire seasons of Game of Thrones that like there I'm pretty sure that Theon is just in jail for a whole se- like he's just tied to that thing in the Dreadfort for a whole se- like you know what I mean? Seasons have a theme. Seasons are based around things. Um and the NFL is no different if you think of it like a TV show. I, I think this season is reminding me over and over and over again. It's not just about who you play. It's about when you play them. We've all probably heard that old adage. The Packers played the Broncos in week, whatever it was. It was a couple weeks ago. I guess it was five or six weeks ago because I know that the Broncos are on a five-game winning streak since that game. And going into the Green Bay game, Denver gave up 70 to Miami, 28 to Chicago, 31 to the Jets. I don't know how. How? How? I watch the Jets every other week, it seems like, because they're on primetime. I don't understand how that team scores 13, let alone 31 points. And then they give up 19 to Patrick Mahomes and 17 to the Packers. They haven't looked back. They haven't lost since. 
sports. It's not just about who you play. It's about when you play them. And the same is true for the Packers. Like, if you look at the Packers week by week by week, they're a different team every week. Now, the Packers have a better excuse than the Broncos, although the Broncos have a new head coach, so it it takes him some time to figure things out and to figure out really how to push the buttons and and pull the levers and speak to players and connect with players and, and get them to really perform their best. So I guess the Broncos have an excuse too. But there have been plenty of teams that have, Super inconsistent this year, and you don't really know why it's been a year of inconsistency. The Packers, we kind of know why. They're a young team that got a really easy draw in week one against the Bears, and they got a little lucky against the Saints with a great drive at the perfect time. And other than that, it took a long time for this Packers team to get it off the ground. Rock bottom was the Raiders game and the Broncos game, and then the Rasul Douglas trade, which was right after the Vikings game, I think. And they've really turned a corner and and have looked a little bit better every week since then. So this Packers team looked different in week one than they looked in week five than they look now in weeks nine, 10, 11, 12. You know what I mean? Especially because they're so young. They're just growing. They're developing. They're changing. It's like they're shedding their skin every single week. And I think Matt LaFleur gets a ton of credit for that. Don't you think? I get crap from listeners and I get crap on Twitter. I especially get crap on the morning show and people call in and tell me, I was like, oh, grand. He loves Matt LaFleur. He loves Matt LaFleur. I don't love Matt LaFleur. I think he's a good coach. And there were moments this season where saying, no, actually, I think Matt LaFleur, I think he's okay. That, that was like, that was like me proposing to him. That was like me coming out and saying, actually, he's my paternal father. I love him. Like, no, I, I never said Matt LaFleur is the best coach in the world. Never said he's Bill Belichick or Vince Lombardi, but I think we lost the plot with Matt LaFleur a lot this season. And I'm just trying to be, you know me, I'm, I'm Mr. Logic and Mr. Reasoning here. I'm just trying to, trying to keep common sense in the equation. I'm like, I actually think Matt LaFleur is pretty good. I, I think he makes good decisions on third down with field goals and, and punts and fourth down decision making. I think he's pretty good there. I think he's pretty woke, pretty modern in the way that he approaches those situations. I think his scheme is great. We saw that with Aaron Rodgers. He resurrected Aaron Rodgers. Looked like his career was dying. And he brought an offense to Green Bay and an offensive staff to Green Bay that one way or another gave Aaron Rodgers a shot in the arm. And and I'm not saying that Matt LaFleur won Aaron Rodgers an MVP. That's not what I'm saying. Rodgers gets a, a, a lion's share of that credit. He is the player that won the MVP. But things had gotten stale and the offense had gotten kind of bleh. In Green Bay, here comes Matt LaFleur, who has a good enough feel for the situation and a good enough touch and feel around a Hall of Fame quarterback that wasn't thrilled with his organization. Then the organization drafts Jordan Love, which makes Matt LaFleur's life even harder. And through all of it, you know, for those two years in the middle, post-2019, post his first year, had a really good offense, a really successful team, top seeds in the playoffs, probably had a shot at the Super Bowl, especially in 2020. They pooped down their leg against Tampa. What's new? And then lost to the Niners the next week at home, you know, whatever. And last year, Rodgers gets dinged and they lose Devontae Adams. Bakhtiari doesn't play. But Matt LaFleur in 2020 and 2021 brought an offense and, and, and brought some life into the Packers organization, brought life into Aaron Rodgers' career that I, I think was previously lacking. He gets credit for that. And his scheme is a big part of that. And I also think that if the Packers finish this season strong, and they, you know, forget what happens against the Chiefs on Sunday night, because I, I think in, in many ways the Packers have taken care of business over the last month 
where they can afford a, a stinker against the Chiefs. I, I don't want them to play stinky, but if they lose, you know, 28-17, and it just looks like they're a, a level below and they're not quite on the Chiefs level. Okay, well, they're not on the Chiefs level. The Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. The Packers are a young team trying to find their way. The Packers have kind of already handled their business over the last month because the, the way we've looked at the Packers schedule, let's back up. We came out of the Pittsburgh game, came out of the Pittsburgh game at three and six, but with some life, with some energy. It's like, hey, he made some throws against the Steelers. Zach Tom kind of held his own against TJ Watt, and then the Packers looked okay. It looked like they took steps against the Steelers. Like, okay, let's, let's see what they can do now. Let's see if they can continue to progress, continue to take steps in the right direction. And we broke down the final eight games into two little packages. We broke down a three-game stretch against the Chargers and the Lions and the Chiefs. Ooh, tough teams, good quarterbacks. Uh, one on a short week on the road, division rivalry game on Thanksgiving, nationally televised. If you can get through that three-game stretch in okay shape, you have this soft, pillowy landing on the back end of the schedule. You play the Giants, who are terrible. You host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are okay, but they're far from good, far from great, far from perfect. You go to Carolina, they just fired their coach. I mean, that looks like they're as bad right now and as mismanaged and as hopeless of a professional American sports team as there is. You got to go to U.S. Bank. That's tough, but who knows what the quarterback situation for Minnesota is going to be like. And then you host the Bears the final week of the season. And I know a lot of Bears fans are like, no, I believe in Justin Field. Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, so, okay. sign him to an extension then. Sure, yeah, uh, sure. The, the Bears, that'll be a winnable game the final weekend of the season. And there might just be something on the line, right? But to get to that final five-game stretch, you had to get through Los Angeles, Detroit, Kansas City. They are at worst going to go two and one in this tough three-game stretch. Even if they lose to the Chiefs, they'll be in good shape. Then it's about beating some bad opponents and, and holding their own uh, against maybe Minnesota, who's probably a little bit better than them. Maybe Tampa Bay, who's got a better roster, but kind of a shaky quarterback situation. Baker Mayfield's banged up to boot now. Matt LaFleur has an opportunity to steward this team through the final month and a half or month and a half or so of the season and end up in a really good spot. Could be in the playoffs if things fall their way or, or could just be like the Lions last year where they play their best ball at the right time and carry some real positive momentum and positive energy into the offseason, the direction, the future direction of this franchise. And if this Packers team ends the season, you know, nine and eight, eight and nine, with a great final month, playoffs or no playoffs, we're going to have to turn around and appreciate the coaching job of Matt LaFleur this year. You guys realize that, right? To come out ready against Chicago and to play Pretty good against Atlanta in week two, although they lost to play pretty poorly, but win against New Orleans in week three. You start two to one, and then things get tough, get rocked by the Lions, who are awesome. And, and rock bottom of the season, again, I contend is the Vegas game and the Denver game, separated by the bye. That was rock bottom. And then you lose to the Vikings, and then Rasul Douglas is traded. It's like, man, rock bottom. And it would have been easy for the team to not quit, but let go of the rope, lose focus, to be discouraged. And they fought hard enough to beat the Chargers, fought hard enough to beat Detroit, and now this team has actual life. And for Matt LaFleur to be able to convince his team, hey, bear with me, stick with me, we're okay, we got to fight through this, we got to work out a lot of warts, a lot of youthful mistakes, uh, kind of youthful inexperience. But his team is stuck with them, and if they finish strong, we're going to have to look back and think, wow, Matt LaFleur did a great job this year. I feel confident about him being the coach of the Packers moving forward, right? We're going to have no choice. 608-321-1670, Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? 
Hey, Grant. Tony from Texas here. Hey, Tony from Texas. How are you this evening? You know, you're talking about LaFleur, and uh, in full disclosure, I, I've been tied up, and I'm just catching up right now with, with this little uh, rant you're on about, uh, about LaFleur. Yeah. But I was at the Arizona Cardinals game. I was in uh, Cone Roller territory. I went to the Cardinals-Rams game, and, you know, McVay was, uh, you know, over LaFleur before, and I saw the Rams really giving it their all, trying hard, and I thought, why are the Rams playing so good right now? And I know they're playing the Cardinals. I'm like, oh, they got Stafford in there. They believe. They got confidence. So you're saying the belief stems from Stafford and not McVay? Is that the point you're trying to make? Hold on. I just want to make well, sure I understand you. Really. I think it's a synergy, actually. Okay. It's, it's a combination. I'm not saying it's one or the other, but I do think the coach is the leader, and, and your second in command is obviously going to be your quarterback. And sometimes it's the first in command. Look at uh, you know, some of the teams. Like even Aaron Rodgers, he was able to uh, get a coach fired and, and got his way out. But, um, you know, my point is right now LaFleur has got his guy playing. He's playing more free. He's taking the reins off. And, and he's getting more confident. And you know that, Grant, in work when you're younger, you got your boss over your shoulder. You want you don't want to screw up. You want to do the right thing. And I mm-hmm. think right now Jordan Love is starting to show what he's got. And and I'm, I'm really encouraged. Is he going to be a Hall of Famer? Probably not. But who cares, man? Yeah. Who cares? Let's just win football games. And you look around the league, and I brought this up before months ago, there's not Hall of Fame quarterbacks out there, really. There's maybe no. a couple. There's not. There's good quarterbacks. There's Josh Allen's. You know, who else in the NFC is really good? Jalen Hurts, that's the best Dak? thing he offered. Like, Dak, Dak I, this is Packers fans, our mind is so warped. We're, like, we don't think Dak is that good. Dak is great. Dak is very, very good. You know what I mean? He's not Aaron Rodgers, but we, but we got used to Aaron Rodgers. So we have, we have well, difficulty evaluating these guys. And look who's in command right now with the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy, he let Kellen Moore go to, you know, go to the, the Chargers. I know Jerry was part of that. But look at McCarthy right now, what he's able to do with a guy that's willing to listen and be coached up. And Dak Prescott's playing some of his best football in the Cowboys, quite frankly, I hate, I hate to say it, are Super Bowl contenders. So my point is LaFleur, he's got he's got the team, he's got the pulse, he's got the quarterback confident right now. And if your quarterback's confident, the rest of your team is just going to exude confidence from that quarterback. Well, a la Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Yes. And, and, and I, I think, to your point, LaFleur is doing a good job. Sorry, bad chemistry host caller on me. I, I was jumping in because I wanted to add one more thing, Tony, before we're done. And I like I think these wide receivers have started to figure it out and, and they know the playbook better. They know the timing better. So now Jordan Love, when he throws the ball, he's actually got belief that that guy's going to be in the spot that he thinks he's going to be. Right. It's, it's a whole it's the offense as a whole. Everyone is more confident in each other. And I think that that like that's exponential, right? The receivers feel better, the quarterback feels better, the coach feels better. So the coach is more aggressive in calling plays, and it it builds on itself. And I think that's what we're seeing right, right. now. I think one of Jordan uh, Jordan Love's best attributes is his demeanor. The man's stoic. You don't know if they're down by twenty one or up twenty one. Yeah, he gets on a receiver here and there, but he's he's uplifting his guys. He stays calm. I appreciate that. I, I'm not a calm guy. I'm up and down, man. I'm bipolar during these games. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, you know, Jordan Love, Matt LaFleur, I like what I'm seeing right now, and I, I believe the Packers can get to the playoffs. I do. I believe – are they going to go far? Probably not. But, let's, hey, they got a chance. Let's play meaningful football after Thanksgiving, and that's, that's what we're seeing right now. So, very, very excited about the Packers. I, I am too, and it's not like we have to completely change our mindset on this team, Tony. Our mindset is play play your better ball in the second half of the year, finish strong in a weak part of the schedule. That's still true, 
But the NFC is weak enough where if they play well and they finish really strong, they might also just happen to get into the playoffs. And that would be a great surprising, I think, reward and, and first step in this rebuild. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, Grant. And it's just like life. And, like, when you're, you're younger, you're getting better, more confident, and more excited. And that, I think that's what the Packers are doing. They're young. They're getting better. They're excited. And it's, it's showing up on the field. The team is – the defense, you know, we talk about Joe Barry. The defense is swarming around more, man. Hell, yeah. You know, I don't, I'm not all about to talk like J.R. Alexander. Now I'm seeing guys that are actually making plays. You know, Preston Smith. Oh, the guy's playing great right now. Dude, Rashawn Gary finally. Oh, God, I loved watching Rashawn him last Gary Thursday. showing you up. And I got a little, I, I got it. I don't know if it was Thanksgiving or maybe a little tipsy from the drinking. I got a little teary-eyed watching that Rashawn Gary oh. uh, post-locker uh, post room thing, man. How could you not? I mean, it, I was just so thankful. I was thankful for Christian Watson. I was thankful for, pff, thankful for Rashawn Gary. It was great, Tony. It was the best. All right. Hey, go Pack go. Hell yeah, let's go. Hell yeah, Tony. Appreciate you. Have a good night. All right, Grant. Talk to you soon, bud. Talk to you soon. Tony in Texas. Perfect way to wrap up the segment. Let's take a break. Mike Clemens, just a couple minutes away. A lot still to go. I know you're like, oh, it's 520. The show's kind of winding down. Oh, no, I'm, we're winding up. In Quite the opposite. Mike Clemens around the corner. Got a couple more things to say about Matt LaFleur and the Packers next. It's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Going to take one call here. Just hang out on hold. I'll get to you. 60 seconds. Couple tweets at Wisco Grant. Uh, we had a <laughs> we had an impromptu ranking of Drake albums, or at least the best couple. A matter of taste. We got a tweet from Cone Roller on the topic of more life. I would have more life higher than most. I'm tempted to put it above views, but views is... I can't be... Come on. I'm not Skip Bayless. I have to be somewhat reasonable he says no long talk is also slept on do not disturb too uh, both excellent songs more more nah not more life passion fruit is just it's amazing and everyone knows that but blem just might be the best song ever made and by that i mean i don't know that you can prove that it's not the best song ever made i think that's that's the important line of uh reasoning let's look at a tweet here from matthew says certified lover boys great i'll say that with conviction yeah look society at large would tell you that certified lover boy was not good and it's corny oh no it's oh it's amazing i rem- i remember the day i listened to it it was rainy it, it was uh i was in downtown lacrosse i remember walking from the radio station to Bennett o'reilly's to get some lunch and champagne poetry poppy's home and it was when i hit girls want girls parentheses with lil baby where I thought, oh, okay. So that's the Drake we're getting on this. Okay, okay. This is going to be good. We have soft Drake on this album. None of, uh, none of like, uh, like energy off of if you're reading this, it's too late. No, no, no. I, I don't need hardcore, like, pregame high school basketball Drake. That's not what I need. I want soft Drake. And uh, he brought that. Uncertified lover boy. Not to mention the features are just outstanding. Come on. 608 321 1670, we're going to talk to Packers. Give Matt LaFleur his flowers. He deserves them. Nice to talk with Tony in Texas as well. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? 
You got Dean Lacrosse. How we doing? Dean and Lacrosse. Dean, I'm outstanding. How about you? I heard you called the morning show the other day. Is this true? I oh, think Ebo told me that. Uh, your name was on my lips, my sir. Oh well, tell me what ha- what happened. Oh, I was I was just saying that I uh, listened to the best of for those guys, and I said, "Oh, Grant, I'm calling during the Bill Michaels show because you were looking for some uh, oh, you know callers because you were yeah. going all day." And they were like, "You know, that, that's that's a little bit low that you're throwing Grant on the bus and you're only calling to be asked." So <laughs> this one is on me. This one is because I wanted to. Okay, I appreciate that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, do you have the Cheerio story yet? Are we Are we getting into that? Yeah. So shoot, I forgot about that. That's probably we should probably should talk no, about no, that no, for no. a couple I, minutes. No, no. Th- th- this is my. I'm in the bunker. I'm trying to uh, tip it up there, thinking that you guys are already on it. I want to announce to the audience that the Brewers are going to be discussing a historic contract extension with Jackson Cheerio, insofar <laughs> as it's historic for anyone who does not have any major league experience. So. Hey, I know that that was kind of like out there, but they're reporting that it's happening. The six-year, $50 million contract that outfielder Luis Robert signed with the White Sox is currently the largest of such agreements. Churio's deal, which would be the culmination of months of on-and-off discussions, would be longer and guarantee him more money, sources say. So the Brewers trying to tie this guy up before he ever plays a game in the majors. Do you like that, Dean and lacrosse? What say you? Oh, I like it, and I don't think that he's dating any minors like the guy down in uh, Tampa Bay. So we're um, the new Tampa Bay Rays. Let's take it. Uh, by the way, uh, what's his name? Wander Franco. How old was she reportedly? She was like fourteen or fifteen, right? Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was really bad. Yeah. I would also because I'm planting my flag today. I and you're a lawyer, so you can speak to this now. I would like to defend Josh Giddy and that he is only 20 and that is not that old. We think these guys in the NBA are grown adult 20. He's a kid and he had relations with a 17 year old. I looked it up legal. The legal, the law tells me lawyer Dean that the age of consent in Oklahoma is 16. So it seems that what he did is both within the bounds of the law and more socially acceptable because he is only 20 that most fans would think on first blush. So I will cautiously defend Josh Giddy in this case, the Thunder's sure, I, point guard. I've got some good advice. So if you look that up on Google, age of consent in insert state, you're going to get on a list. So just don't start that. <laughs> I'm, so I'm well-educated and, well, yeah. Do they really? Does that go somewhere? Oh, I, I would assume so. But, I mean, maybe that's just paranoia. I don't want to test that one. <laughs> Interesting. You know, I'll rely on what you said, okay? Well, I'll just I'll, here's what I'll do. I'll look it up for the other 49 states as well just to, like, scatter my tracks far and wide so they can't track me down. They, they, they don't have any idea what I'm what I'm working on over here that sounds really creepy but i wanted to know i had a friend tell me so i had to research it come back to bennett o'reilly's in downtown lacrosse if you ever need to if it doesn't work out over there because you're searching but uh, i I was gonna say i think that uh hopefully it's the uh the long number of years version of this type of historic deal not the louis robert version uh i hope that he's you know signed for a couple years as a minor but just getting paid and then you know eight years That's been for eight years. That'd be sweet, yeah. Well, and the thing is, is then the Brewers could just call him up when he's ready. We wouldn't have to do this whole song and dance of keeping him in the minors for months and, you know, maybe years longer than he should be. If he's ready to play and he can help the team, they can call him up and they don't have to worry about it. And, and he is ready, so hopefully they do that. But I, they tried to sniff the shenanigans in terms of calling a prospect a couple years ago. It hasn't happened. It's still going on. I want to see the guy next year. I do too. I want to see him opening day if he's ready. And it sounds like, hey, if you say he's ready, I'll, 
I'll believe you. Uh, Dean, i got to get to Mike Clements. I will uh, avoid asking him about the age of consent, but hey, if I ever have any I, uh, I, legal <laughs> questions, I'll, I'll direct them to you in this department. Thanks a lot. Yeah, lawyer Dean in La Crosse, on the south side of La Crosse, I believe, which it, it appears the roundabouts are open on South Ave, which is a big win for the south side because driving to Walmart, for those who live uh, by campus or downtown or don't want to drive to Onalaska, which, by the way, driving from downtown La Crosse to Onalaska, it feels like you're crossing state lines. It's so far. So shout out to Dean Southside of La Crosse. Appreciate your legal analysis. And yes, I did Google the age of consent. If they don't want people to Google that, then they shouldn't put it on the Internet. That's what I would have to say. If I'm on some sort of government watch list, well, fine. Put me, I'll wear that watch list with a, with, with a, like a badge of honor. I'll def- cautiously, like I'm cautiously defending it. I'm not like sticking my chest out and saying, hell yeah, Josh Giddy, like go pick up high schoolers. That's not what I'm saying, but everyone's losing their mind. And it seems like what he allegedly did was both legal. And these guys are so young. They're young. They're kids. They let 18, 19 year old players into the NBA. They're not 20. We, we think all these guys are 25 because they're big and muscular. They're not. Let's take a five minute break. We'll get connected with Mike Clemens. Talk Packers next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, appreciate you being here. Thanks for listening tonight. Hope you're having an awesome night. Bucks Heat tonight, 630. It is a midseason tournament game. Bam Adebayo will play, unlike the last time the Bucks and the Heat played earlier this year, but Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero will not. One could make the case that Tyler Hero now missed both games, or did Hero play earlier this year? Hero and Butler dodging the Bucks. Craig Council isn't even afraid to come to a Bucks game. Jimmy Butler dodging Giannis, dodging the Bucks. I haven't checked the line. The Bucks could still lose to, I mean, the Heat are... The Heat are just a tough, nasty team, and they just love, they love playing the Bucks. So uh, this is a game that the Bucks are still going to have to show up and play, and looking forward to going home and watching that tonight. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Excited to have Mike Clemens here as he's traveling to Green Bay. Mike Clemens, appreciate you working on Thanksgiving, Mike. How, what was the game like in Detroit? Did it feel different than maybe years past? The Lions are good now. The Packers have been playing well. What was that like? Honestly, what was strange for me is for half the day, if not most of the day, it felt like it was a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. It was, and then here's the thing is <clears throat> I actually don't like to stay uh, downtown because um, I usually make that a drive because think about it now. It's Thanksgiving. Do you really want to go to an airport over no. Thanksgiving? Not if you don't have to. No. And, I mean, you know, the stadium's like five hours from where I live in the Milwaukee area. So I drive over there. I get a place uh, every year in Ann Arbor. And there's some great restaurants there, and you drive by the big house and see the university and all that stuff. So I got this pretty good setup like that. Then I get up that morning, and I drive into town. As a matter of fact, I just saw Bill Michaels in a meeting about an hour ago, mm-hmm. told him the story. So you go downtown Detroit on Thanksgiving, and what I did not know is that's when they have their holiday parade. <laughs> so, so I pull into the well, it's supposed to be reserved media parking. Yeah. And uh, there's no place left. It's 10 stories, and there wasn't a single spot left. And then all of a sudden, a man and woman and their little baby in a stroller, they they come walking up, and they're opening up their SUV and they're about to leave. And I figured out 
there's this damn parade going on downtown. And just because those folks decided to leave before the final part of the parade, that's how I got a parking spot on the 10th floor of this parking structure. Oh, boy. They also have their turkey trot, which is like some sort of five-mile, you know, walk run. But it's been that way for – I mean, they've had a, a, a football game by professional teams in Detroit since 1934, and it's a huge parade, just judging by the cast of characters that were walking out as I was there. Um, it's just, wow, to do that all on game day downtown. So that just added to the to, to the festivities and the, the lack of parking spaces as well. But then you get into the stadium, and um, contrary to some grumpy reporters, the food was fine for us in the press box. We had <laughs> turkey and stuffy and gravy and that kind of thing, so that was great. But here's the other thing. The um, the press box is on the open press box at Ford Field. Most of these places, you're sitting there at a kind of a little desk behind some glass. Uh, so sometimes when it gets so loud, you might want to bring you know a headset or something because it's hard to think or take notes during a game. But you look over the edge, way down below you, and it was a sea of Honolulu blue. Yeah, I could not find a damn Packer jersey in that place. There were a few. You know, if you'd walk in the concourse, there'd be, for every hundred, Lions fans. And the Lions, I mean, everybody had on a Lions jersey. Not just some, like everybody. There was maybe three or four Packer jerseys. It wasn't so long ago, you'd go cover a game in Detroit, and it was a, almost 50% Packer jerseys sure. at that point. Well, yeah, it's not far. Like you said, I didn't realize it only you know, five hours from, from the south side of Milwaukee. I guess you're just going around the lake. Well, let's let's work chronologically through the game. So they go up six. Now, the first drive looks awesome, right? And then Joe Barry gives up a score. And, and I think a lot of Packers fans at home on Thanksgiving probably thinking the same thing. It's like, well, even if the Packers don't win today, if it's back and forth and these two offenses are going, at, all right, fine, sign me up for this. This is great. And then the Packers just got out to a bigger lead and a bigger lead. And, and I know my family gathering, we're looking around like, Holy, are we going to watch the Packers win today? And then they were able to hold on and win. So was there exasperation in the Packers press box? Were you guys looking around thinking, what is, where's this been? What are, what are we watching right now? Were you guys as surprised as exactly, I think we were at home? Okay. That was exactly my reaction, Grant. I kept on looking to a fellow reporter that was sitting next to me that I usually get a sign next to. And I'm like, what, what is going on? What is this? Like, <laughs> we, hey, we got a game here. We got a story. Yeah. And the Packers, then they, they're chunk plays. It's just over the side, completions, timing, rhythm. And then Tucker Kraft, wide open on the right side. Boom, yeah. touchdown. And then, and then, I mean, you're still early in this game, and you mentioned Joe Barry, and you talk about this offensive line that some people have been saying, hey, the Lions offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. Yeah. And they've got, a substitute. They got a rookie in at left guard. So Joe Barry, he lines up his chess pieces. He okay, rookie. Hmm. Let's put Kenny Clark on him. Let me move. Uh, yeah, uh, here I'll move Rashawn Gary over Taylor Decker. Good left tackle. But then I'm going to put two more guys on there. I'm going to put a guy over center in uh, Woodard, and then I'm going to bring in two linebackers, Preston Smith and Quay Walker. Say hello to the right side of the line. And also, you got five guys coming. On like a second and 12, deep in their own territory. Rashawn's back there. Pressure on Jared Goff. 
it would, you know, I, I thought it looked like a forward pass, but they get to ruled a fumble. The ball's out there rolling around. Jonathan Owens, you know, hey, play to the whistle, picks it up. Presence of mind. Yep. Score. Yeah, he's going at half speed because everybody thought, oh, that's like an incomplete pass, right? Deflected ball, something. I thought it was. No. Yeah. And it's six. And all of a sudden, you're up by two. And now Joe Barry can unleash the dogs for the rest of the afternoon. So let's talk about two players in particular because, you know, for weeks, Mike, I've been thinking, yeah, I like Rashawn Gary. He's a good player. And I think it's a reasonable contract, and he deserves all the, the credit in the world coming back from this ACL. But I want to see him take over a game, right? And we've talked about this for weeks. And I said last Wednesday, I said, tomorrow's the perfect day for Christian Watson to bust out because they're a little shorthanded, no Aaron Jones. They're on a short week. Wide receivers are banged up. And it was those two guys that were the driving forces, really from the first play. Christian Watson, I thought, set the tone offensively with that catch. And Rashawn Gary just dogging Jared Goff all day. What an awesome coming out party for those two guys who, who needed a game like that. Well, the fact is you'd also had, you'd had some good games and some incredible progress of Rashawn coming back early in the season mm-hmm. despite the torn ACL on that Ford field a year ago, you know, this month. But – um, you know, after he signs a $107 million contract, the next game, well, a little flat, not so much going on. And uh, so then people start, you know, already tweeting, out, like, oh, God, look at this. He's already, he's already dialing back. Well, whatever, the way the game plan went or just the way the game went, you know, here's one other thing, too. I actually started looking at the average age of the offensive line of the Lions. Yeah. And you look at all these rookies or second-year guys, that the Packers are putting up against them. And who do you want to bet on two days and Thanksgiving Day, the 32-year-old guy or the 23-year-old guy? Hmm. You know? I mean, yeah. that's, that's, there's where the youth helps. Yeah. And you got one of these stinking Thursday games to make a difference. And then the Christian Watson thing. I mean, I just – that's actually, to me, maybe the best story, the most positive story for this Packers season. Because it's supposed the whole thing is it's supposed to be ten throws to nine, right? That's how that's what, how, what the whole offense and the drafts and the whole scheme is supposed to be based on. And Christian Watson, we know, has had his struggles with the consistency and catching the damn football. The speed's there when he when you can get the ball in his hands over the middle. Even you know safeties I've talked to think, look, he's he's four three. And six four, and that's just an intimidating thing to say. God, where you know, do I? How do I get him? Yeah. I mean, if I'm, he's, and if, when I do hit him, he's going to be tough to bring down because he's such a big dude. So that speed screws with the mind of of the tacklers. It just it just does. Ye- so as a ball carrier, yeah. Uh, and so here, Christian Watson, we had that stat a couple weeks ago where. Of the nine interceptions that Jordan Love has thrown, five have been to Christian Watson, most of them in clutch plays at the end of the game, including two when we were in Pittsburgh. But um, there he is. They call his number on the first play of the game. And Jordan Love says they worked on it the Wednesday before the game. And when you ask Jordan, you know, how did you, when did you guys come up with that play? Because it, it wasn't just sending. Christian watching deep uh, over the middle. It was the stuff they did pre-snap. There was a couple of wrinkles in there, the way they were moving the back, that made that play look different. 
and maybe brought a safety up just before. Still, he had double coverage down there, but the ball's down there on the hash, about 53 yards, and Watson makes that catch. And you're like, wow. Because everybody knows what that represents. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, starting to turn the page on what happened on his first snap of his first NFL game between Rodgers and uh, at the Vikings. And uh, he dropped a perfect pass in indoor conditions. This time he brings it in. And what's so interesting, the best part for us that cover the team is for LaFleur to have enough security as this coach, as the leader, and running that locker room to say, you know what, I almost called that off. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I texted Jordan this morning, the morning of the game, saying, uh, you know, uh, I'm having second thoughts about starting out this game on national TV and setting up Christian Watson for another drop, another psychological setback. Yeah. Yeah. And left and love text back and says, "No, we're going to keep that in," and they use it, and it works. And it was almost game over. It was almost game over from that point on. Well, it set the tone for not only Christian Watson in the game he had, but the rest of the offense. It felt like when he caught that, it's like, "All right, here we go. We're off and running." Whereas you know, week one against the Vikings, it was just such a deflating moment. And I really think that stuck with him the rest of that week one game, and maybe for a couple weeks. Mike Clemens is here. One more thing, Mike. You mentioned Matt Lafleur. I think he deserves a lot of credit. Short week, banged up, divisional rivalry game, uh, national TV, a lot of eyes starting to, to to watch and think, maybe is Jordan Love? Are we, you know, kind of focusing in and saying, what's really going on here? And to come out and, and look great. But but one sign that I can tell that Matt LaFleur's offense is healthy and that he's really starting to connect with these young players, these pass catchers, Mike, Dontavian Wicks isn't playing. Luke Musgrave isn't playing. So Malik Heath steps in and looks really good. So Tucker Kraft, like you said, steps up and makes a play when they need him. It seems like they're to the point where they're all comfortable in this offense. They're comfortable with Jordan Love, where it's plug and play. It's not overly reliant on one particular player, and I thought that was clear. They were down a couple guys who had been really playing well, Musgrave and Wicks. Other guys stepped right up, including your guy, Malik Heath. Yeah, you know, my high school coach, John Heineke, played at Wisconsin as a center. And when he's yelling out there yelling us at Beloit Memorial High School on the practice field, it's like, uh, you know, a football team's only as good as its weakest link. Mm-hmm. That his, that's a famous saying. Yeah. And so let's talk about the receivers. When for, for some reason, for the last three weeks, you have benched a healthy Samari Torre. Yeah. Who I, like a month ago, I said to you on this show, man, I talked to that kid. He's really smart, sharp and he's finding ways to get open. And I thought he'd made some nice catches as well. Also, though, was it, um, I think it was Denver. He had a ball where he could have caught that might have made the difference in the game. And I don't know if they thought maybe he'd run to the wrong spot or he'd run into double coverage 40 yards downfield. But almost as that that game or the next, they just decided, let's look at Heath. Okay, undrafted, but he, he seems to be more physical. Maybe he can help us out on special teams. So they benched. Torrey, second-year man, and they put in Keith. Now, he's had a, a ball or two thrown to him that was missed, bad bad throw from Love. He ends up in this huge game against the Lions by his third or fourth uh, start. Not start, but at least he you know, was active for the game. Four catches. Mm-hmm. Four catches the other day. And one of them, you can see, oh, you know what? Here's why. Here's why. Look, at, look what he does. Look how strong he is, upper body. Mm-hmm. Try, those guys trying to pull him down. And honest to God, as much tape as these guys watch him in college and have him in their own practices for months at a time, and even during the season, they don't really know until they know. 
they don't they didn't really realize i mean you've got john dunn and his tight end coaching about tucker craft i didn't know he could do that when he had that one that went like 45 yards against the charges and stepped out of bounds there a little yeah. bit you know and two guys you know pushed him out but it's almost like god that looked great didn't it yeah i mean it's the whole team well, and and then Kraft is like, I'm telling you, this is what I did in college. And and this is the argument, Mike, for not putting a veteran or two on the roster to help guide them along. Because if you trust your coach, and if you try, and if Goody, if Goodikins trust Matt Lafleur to to get these guys through the early struggles, and he trusts Jordan Love to be able to navigate those early struggles, now you're seeing all these young guys reap the benefits of all those snaps that were interrupted. Right, we weren't also wedging a Sammy Watkins well, onto the field. Like these guys are really starting to figure out, and they just needed reps. And then in the middle of a third or fourth game uh, losing streak, that's when Goody trades Rasul. And when I said, "Really, what's the value of a third round pick?" and he says, "A rookie contract." I mean, that's he's telling you, I can, I can move. I've got problems to solve here. Why do I need to pay some guy three times as much? And the other thing he said was, yeah, we're too young. is no longer an excuse here. We need to beat the L.A. Rams. Which seemed like a tall order at, when he said that on that Wednesday. Yeah. But he's telling the locker room, stop with the – okay, you've had seven, eight games. Stop with the we're too young. Mm-hmm. If you would like a job here in Green Bay, we see highly suggest that you beat the Rams at home <laughs> this weekend, yeah. which they did. And But that shook up the locker room, even the rookies. Like, whoa, God, if they can trade away Russell Douglas for a third round. And what Goody's saying is, I'm going to need that because well, there's a whole lot of problems i got to solve next year. i got to get me a new left tackle. i got to get me some safeties. Yeah. You know, I may need to get another quarterback. So he's looking ahead. It shakes up the locker room. And then at that point, the first says, okay, if I don't have to worry about a Super Bowl, you know, let's try Let's put Heath out there and see what happens. And look what you get. Look what you get. You get just a little bit – you know, two inches more uh, than the guy that was in there before him. And who knows who's, who knows what's next? Maybe you put him back there for punt returns. Uh, certainly, you know, that Versace's liked his work on special teams. But those are some of the differences you make. Because Heath was inactive, healthy and active in September. Yeah, it's fun to watch these guys get an opportunity and then take advantage of it and learn and, and grow. And, you know, we haven't really watched a rebuilding year. I'm... I'm genuinely enjoying watch a rebuilding, watching a rebuilding team, especially now as they kind of start to play their best football at the right time. Mike, I appreciate you. I know you're traveling. Thank you so much, and, and thank you for um, spending your Thanksgiving in a press box to bring us coverage and, and to bring us updates. It means the world. Thank you. Um, it's, it's the best job in the world. Thank you, Grant. Yeah, of course. Mike Clemens. Appreciate it. On Twitter, at Mike Clemens NFL. And I don't, like, I don't doubt it. It's also probably really cool to be in an NFL game on Thanksgiving. But still. You don't get to be at home drinking wine. Like, I was such a fat slob over Thanksgiving. You kidding me? <laughs> like, I, I did nothing. Plugged in a best of for a couple of days, ran some old segments, and did a whole lot of nothing. So I appreciate you, Mike. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, Buck Seat, coming up in about a half hour. We'll talk about that tomorrow for sure. Weird NBA story. I guess maybe not weird, but something I didn't expect today. Mark Cuban is selling a majority stake of the Dallas Mavericks to Miriam Adelson. 
Adelson? Edelweiss? And the casino tycoon Adelson family for valuation in range of $3.5 billion in one of the most unique setups in NBA history, Cuban keeps his shares and team in full control of basketball operations. Mark Cuban gonna... Is he gonna run for president? What does this mean? Of course, I, if this was the Bucks, everyone would just assume that Giannis is leaving. This can't possibly mean that Luka is leaving. We only think that way about the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm playing a small market victim here. I'd, I'd like to back off. That was mostly a joke. I don't actually feel that way. A little bit, though. Enjoy the Bucks game tonight. Let's talk about this Brewers story tomorrow. We'll talk Bucks as well. Have an awesome night. Talk to you tomorrow at 4.